turn with us to, uh, your, in your Bibles, take your Bibles out or your apps or whatever else you have. Um, we're going to look at um, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah chapter 7. I'm going to read one verse, then I want to lead us in prayer, um, and then we'll get into it. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, we have these words. The virgin will be with child, and she'll give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for every person that is tuned online, every person in this place. You know us, you hear us. And we ask for your help. Show yourself in the word that is preached. And when everything is said and done, that you, Jesus, Lord of our life, head over all things to this church, that you will be pleased, that you will be glorified, and that these, your people, every single one of them, by your Holy Spirit, will be helped today. And that is our prayer. And we say amen in Jesus' name. There are things in life that shake us to the core. Things that make us anxious, scared, and uncertain. For Julie, it was when she entered into her 50s. She realized that she was past the midpoint of her life. That it wasn't going to go on forever and ever. And then her children, one by one, started to leave the house. That really hit her heart. I mean, the experience was deep and powerful. And it brought all kinds of different feelings in her life. She was shaken to the core. I think of Catherine. At 14 years of age, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. I mean, that shook up her whole family. And the treatment continues even this past week. The treatment had to stop for a while because her kidneys started to fail. I mean, when a family member or your spouse or an elderly parent becomes ill or disabled or dies, I mean, there's all kinds of different feelings that you have at all kinds of different levels. It shakes you to the core. We all know what that feels like, not because of an illness perhaps, but because we're all right now in the middle of a global pandemic. COVID realities have changed our lives at so many levels. For some of you, you've lost your job, changes at work, government mandates. You find yourself right now not knowing what to do with your life. So many of us have been disconnected from being face-to-face -face with overseas family members or out-of-state family members for such a long time. For others of you, there's so much uncertainty. You yourself, personally, you remain unvaccinated, and for you, you have good and valid reasons for doing so. But you feel the pressure right now put on by the government and others, especially as we move into December here in Queensland. 
So what might it be for you? What shakes you to the core? A relationship breakup? A messy situation at home? Getting married? All the talk about climate change and this huge global reset into the future? Political unrest and uncertainty in the world? Fear about tomorrow? Well, today we're going to look at some people in the Bible who were shaken to the core. We're told in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 2, that the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. I mean, here in Queensland, we've all seen terrible storms. I mean, winds of 200 kilometers or more, and the trees of the field, how they get all shaken by the wind, at times even uprooted and blown down. And at times like that, we get afraid, anxious. We get really uncertain. So what do you do? What do you do when your life is shaken to the core, shaken like the trees of the forest are shaken by a violent storm? Well, turn with me to Isaiah 7, and let us discover together this morning what you and I can do when life shakes us at the core. Now, why were Ahaz and his people shaken? I mean, it wasn't COVID, and it wasn't because Ahaz had turned 50. In fact, Ahaz was only in his 20s. We know that he was 20 years old when he became king of Judah. At that time, the land of Palestine was split in two with Israel in the north and Judah in the south, and Ahaz was the king of the south. But there was a problem. Israel in the north had joined forces with the country of Aram, and they had come together and they had marched down to the south to fight against Jerusalem, the capital city of Judah, where Ahaz was now king. Now we're told in verse 1 that they could not overpower it. At least not this time. But years earlier, as we learned from Second Chronicles 28, those same two countries had marched down to Jerusalem and they overpowered the country. They had killed 150,000 of men and they have taken 200,000 women and children as captives. Not only that, but they plundered the homes, the businesses, and everything else of the people of Judah taken all that plunder home. Could you imagine that happening to us if some country in the north would come down into the Morton Bay region and pretty well devastate the entire population of our region, killing off or taking captive over 350,000 people? That's a lot of people impacted by war. And the current threat was very real. In verse 6, we discover what Israel and Aram were planning to do. They said, let us invade Judah. (laughs) Let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Tobiel king over it. Imagine today of some country to the north of us, let's say China, and their ruler, Xi Jinping, that they would say, let us tear Australia apart and let us divide it among ourselves And let us make the son of Kim Jong-un of North Korea ruler over it. You can understand why Ahaz and his people were afraid, shaken to the core. 
anxious, shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by a violent storm. So what do you do? What should Ahaz and his people do? Well, God takes Isaiah and he sends him to meet up with Ahaz at the aqueduct. And he is to go to the aqueduct at the upper pool and to give Ahaz a message. Now we know from the book of Kings that Ahaz had gone there for a special reason. See, they were, the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by these enemy forces, and what he wanted to do was to cut off the water supply at the aqueduct so that the, this, this foreign enemy that is below them would not be able to have water to survive, and they would basically retreat and go back home. So Isaiah meets up with Ahaz and gives him this message from God. But as he goes there, God had told him to take with him his son, his firstborn son, Shear Jesu. And we need to remember that detail, especially as we get back to that later on this morning. And so Ahaz goes with his boy, and he meets up with Ahaz, and he gives him this message. Be careful. Keep calm. Don't be afraid. Don't lose heart. Now, perhaps people have given you that advice yourself when you yourself were shaken to the core. When you turn 50, your child has cancer, your elderly parent becomes terminal and dies, your marriage breaks up, you've lost your job, and, and people tell you, be careful, don't worry, be calm, don't fear, don't be afraid, don't lose heart. Sounds trite, doesn't it? They're pat answers, not much help. I mean, when you're shaken to the core of life, I mean, those answers are at best simply trite, trivial. I mean, you're left full of care. You're not calm. You're gripped with fear. And you lose heart. You got that knot in your stomach. But remember that it's not just anybody who's given this message to Ahaz. Through the prophet Isaiah, this is God given the message to Ahaz. The same God that appeared to Isaiah in the previous chapter that Adam talked to us about last week. This God who appeared to, to Isaiah as the God who is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. And this holy, 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 almighty God was not just giving some trivial or trite answers to Ahaz. In fact, there was a good reasons why God was giving Ahaz this advice. And we learn about that in verse 4. He tells Ahaz that, you know, Israel and Aram, you know, those, those nations that you are so afraid of, I mean, they are just two smoldering stubs of firewood. These two countries, I mean, they might look dangerous, but they're more smoke than fire. Just stubs of wood that will soon burn out. In fact... What Israel and Aram said that they would do to Ahaz and his people, God told Ahaz, guess what? It's not going to happen. It's not going to take place. And so God is telling Ahaz simply to stand firm in his faith. Just trust me, says God. No need to fear. Just be calm. Don't lose heart. Trust me. And just in case Ahaz 
you don't believe me, I'll give you a sign. I'll give you some proof. The Lord says to Ahaz, verse 10, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heavens. In other words, ask for anything. I mean, do you want me to send lightning bolts to come out of the sky? Do you want me to turn the, you know, the sun, you know, this, this bright crimson red color? Do you want me to put a million dollars in your bank account? Ask me for a sign. Ask for anything. I mean, there's no limit. Go as high as you go, as low as you go, anything in between. Ask what you want. I'll give it to you. See, God was willing to give Ahaz a sign, some proof that he could be trusted. So what does he do? What does Ahaz do? He rejects God's offer. He says, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. Now, you might think at face value, I mean, that's probably a very pious response. He's probably saying to God, God, you know what? You don't got to give me some proof. I believe you. <laughs> I trust you. You know, just say whatever you want and, and go for it. I mean, I, don't, I, I'm not, I believe you. But that's not what Ahaz is saying. In fact, Ahaz was rejecting God. He was not willing to do God's will. But in fact, what he wanted to do was to go up north, north of Aram and, and Israel, and to go to the country of Assyria and ask them for help. We know this from 2 Kings 16. He sent messengers to the king of Assyria with this message. I am your servant and vassal. Come up and save me out of the hand of the king of Aram and the king of Israel who are attacking me. And Ahaz took silver and gold found in the temple of the Lord and the treasuries of the royal palace, and he sent that all to this king of Assyria. He didn't stay calm. He took matters into his own hands. And he did that because Ahaz wanted to persevere in his idolatry. He didn't want to follow God. He didn't want to trust God. Rather, he wanted to put his trust in Assyria himself and the deal that he could make with this nation of Assyria. He emptied the temple of all the gold and silver as well as precious stuff out of the palace, and he took all of that stuff and sent it up to Assyria. And that just shows to us the depth of his rejection of God. As we're also told in the book of Kings, Ahaz did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And get this, he even sacrificed his own son in the fire. Engaging in the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places, on the hilltops, and under every spreading tree. And Ahaz wanted to continue on in his disobedient, wicked ways. So what do you do? What do you do when you are shaken to the core of your life? You're anxious, scared, uncertain about the future. Well, the advice that God gives through Isaiah to Ahaz and his people is good advice for us today as well. If you're shaken to the core of your life, keep calm. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Take heart. Trust God. Stand firm in your faith. Now you might wonder, does this really make sense? I mean, when you're shaken to the core of life, and life's a real mess, you're shaken all over the place, can you really remain calm, unafraid, and not lose heart? I mean, if you simply trust God in your situation, will that make any difference when you're shaken at the core of your life? Is there any proof, any proof at all, that God can give you that standing firm in your faith will pay off into the future. Well, there is proof. There is proof. In fact, the prophet Isaiah tells us that God will give you a sign, some proof that will help you stand firm in the faith. Look at verse 13. Then Isaiah said, Here now, the house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you also trust the patience of God as well? Therefore the Lord himself Whether you like it or not, he's going to give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And we'll call him Emmanuel. What is this sign? What is God saying through the prophet Isaiah? Who is this baby boy called Emmanuel? Well, this baby was born. We know this from the next chapter, chapter 8. In fact, all the people who heard this prophecy from Isaiah, they knew exactly what Isaiah was talking about. Isaiah was talking about his own son. See, Isaiah's first wife had died shortly after the birth of their first son, Sher Jesub. Isaiah then remarried, and the Lord gave Isaiah the name of his second child. Maharshala Hashbash. And in chapter 8, we're told, Then I made love to the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to a son. A virgin, the woman, will give birth to a baby boy. And birth she did do. She gave birth to a son. Now you might be thinking, wasn't that baby meant to receive the name Emmanuel? But now he has the name Maharshala Hajbash. I mean, wouldn't Emmanuel be a much simpler name? I mean, try to put Maharshala Hajbash on your driver's license. Now stay with me. For what I'm going to share with you right now is so important if you are going to understand what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah to the people of his day and what God is saying to you and me today. If you flip to the next chapter, chapter 8, Isaiah has this to say. Here am I, and the children the Lord has given me. We are signs and symbols in Israel from the Lord Almighty who dwells on Mount Zion. Here am I, said Isaiah. Isaiah, remember those words, here am I? It's pointing back to Isaiah 6. What Adam, you know, unfolded and unpacked it for us last week where Isaiah met up with God, this holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, and when he met up with God, and God said, I, want, I got a job for you to do, and, and, and what did Isaiah said? Here am I. 
here am I. What was this call on Isaiah's life? For what purpose did God send him to the people of Judah and Israel? Well, he was called and he was sent to the people of his day to be a sign and a symbol in Israel from the Lord Almighty. Isaiah was sent to them to be the proof that God can be trusted. And not just Isaiah, but also his sons. Signs and symbols. So how do we see this? Well, we see this in their names. The name Isaiah, remember Adam's first message? He said, Isaiah means God saves. Isaiah was a sign and a symbol to the people of his day that it is God who saves. We don't save ourselves. Remember the testimony that Peter Humphreys gave to us. He says, you know, when we come to God, all that we come to God with is our sin. (laughs) It is God who saves us by his grace. No other human being can save us. Ahaz is not to look anywhere else for his salvation and that of his people. He wasn't to look to the people of Assyria for his salvation. He is only to look at the Lord God, the God of the Bible, the one who dwells in Jerusalem. God saves. Isaiah was a sign and a symbol to the people of his day that salvation is found in no other name but in God. Isaiah's first son, his name was Shear Jezub. Now, there was a reason why God told Isaiah to take his son along with him to Ahaz, meeting up there at the aqueduct. Because as he brought his son along, it was not just the words that Isaiah was to say, but it was also the presence of his boy. Shear Jezub, his name means a remnant will return. In other words, the message of his day is a sign and a symbol to prove that God can be trusted. God was saying to Ahaz and the people of his day that, you know, you're going to go through a very, very tough time, but not all will be lost. God is going to preserve a remnant. Yes, there's a huge chunk of Israel that's going to go off into exile, but a remnant will be preserved. Share Jesus. He's a sign and a symbol to the people of his day that even though lots will be lost, there will be a remnant that God will preserve. Isaiah's second son, his name was Mahar Shalahashbash. <laughs> now, Isaiah didn't choose that name. I mean, it was a name given by God. I mean, who would ever choose that name for your boy? But that name means quick to plunder, quick, swift to spoil. The second son of Isaiah was a sign and a symbol to Israel, to Judah, that this very nation that Ahaz had put his trust in would be quick to plunder and swift to spoil. And the rest of chapter 7 basically unpacks all of that. It tells us the story of what happened. How Assyria would come and would completely destroy those two little stumps of wood, Israel and around. They would be totally obliterated. They would be no more. But Assyria would not be satisfied with that. In fact, they would go south all the way to the country of Egypt and they would declare war on Egypt and Judah would become the battlefield for both. 
And all of that would happen through a three-year period. And Maharshala Hajbash is going to be a sign of that and a symbol to Israel that this is exactly what's going to happen. Look at chapter 8, verse 4. We're told, before the boy knows how to say daddy or mommy, the wealth of Damascus, Aram, and the plunder of Samaria, Israel, will be carried off by the king of Assyria. So in other words, in the very near future, even before this little boy becomes a toddler and begins to say mommy and daddy, I mean, this war is going to happen. Israel and Aram are going to be obliterated. Judah will become a battlefield, and the country will be totally devastated. Yes, the nations of Israel and Judah would be shattered. And if Ahaz and his people were shaken now, there were worse things on the horizon. Everything might seem to be lost, but the people of Israel and Judah, they need to look at the sign and symbol given by God. The baby born to this young woman, this virgin, he will be called Emmanuel. See, this boy, Maharshala Hajbash, he was not only known by that name, perhaps thankfully, but he was also known by the name of Emmanuel. So how do we know that? We know that from chapter 7. Verse 15, we're told that he will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. So in other words, this little boy, even before, you know, he, he can have that age of discernment, you know, choosing between right and wrong, not to touch the iron or, you know, what to do. I mean, before to know what's right or wrong. Even before that time, the nation of Israel is going to be devastated. I mean, there's not going to be any more food on the shelves and the shops. The wheat fields are going to be totally flattened. There's no place to get your favorite glass of Shiraz because the vineyards would be totally gone. And as we're told in verse 22, that when Assyria would lay this devastating attack on Judah, all who remain in that land will only eat curds and honey. That's all you can eat. Some fermented milk and some honey. That's all. Because there'll be nothing else left. And that little boy was going to grow up. And that would be his diet. This son born to Isaiah was a sign and symbol to the people of Israel that although everything might seem lost, God is still with us. See, twice in chapter 8, as we have this whole story start to unfold, how this devastation would come upon Israel, twice we're told in that chapter, God is with us. God is with us. The name Emmanuel shows up twice in that passage. God is with us. Isaiah and his sons were signs and symbols to the people of his day, there is only one place to, to look for salvation, and that is God. He's the one who saves. These boys in Isaiah were signs and symbols to Israel that even though it might seem that everything will be lost, God will preserve a remnant. And yes, there will be disaster all around us, 
people swift to plunder, quick to destroy. But in the midst of that, God is with us. He's Emmanuel. Now that sign of Emmanuel was not just given to Ahaz and the people of Israel and Judah. God is still in the business today, in 2021, still in that business today to give you and I proof that he can be trusted, that he can be depended upon, that if you put your faith in him, that there will be a future for you. That in the midst of everything around us, he is with us, Emmanuel, God with us. Fast forward 700 years after Isaiah, God gave us again the sign of Emmanuel. We know that from the Gospel of Matthew. where The Gospel writer tells us that a virgin will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This child would also be a sign and symbol to the world. Which child? Well, the Bible, Isaiah is telling us, the Bible is telling us that the ultimate fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy is found when Mary gave birth to Jesus. And that child would also be a sign and symbol to the world. Sign and symbol of what? Well, first of all, that God saves, and there's no other place to find salvation except in God. What does the name Jesus mean? It's exactly the same as the name Isaiah. It means exactly the same. God saves. God saves. In other words, don't look anywhere else to get out of the predicament that you might find yourself in life. Look only to God. He's the only one that can save you. And in the midst of all the disaster that you might go through in life, as you look to Jesus, may you and I be reminded that God is with us, that God is with you. He's with you. Jesus is Emmanuel. God has not forsaken you. He's not left you. He's with you, no matter what may happen in your life. And all of this to say, stand firm in your faith. Put your trust in God. Trust the God who is Emmanuel, the one who is with you. Jesus literally became God with us when he took upon himself human flesh and dwelt among us. And when he sacrificed himself on the cross of Calvary to take our sins away by paying the penalty for our sin and then taking also the power of sin out of our lives, he again showed himself that God is with us even when life can get very, very messy. And all that we find in life is that all that we can offer to God is our sin. Even in the midst of that, he says, I'm with you. I've not left you. And when we go through tough times, and tough times will come. We can be assured of that. There will be many in our world that will be quick to plunder and swift to lay waste. But even in the midst of all of that, God is with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. That's his promise. In fact, even as we earlier sang, that nothing can separate us from 
the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when our journey here on earth is over, he has promised us that our life will not end, but it will continue forever with him. And we'll have eternity and joy with him forever in his presence. And just in case you need some proof, God has given us a sign. The sign of a baby boy born to a virgin, Mary giving birth to Jesus. The sign and symbol of Emmanuel. God is with us. So how do you respond? Isaiah responded as we read in the next chapter. He says, I'm going to wait for the Lord. I'm going to put my trust in him. Here am I and the children the Lord has given to me. In other words, no matter what anyone else will do, no matter what the world does, <laughs> no matter what the church does, no matter what the people of Australia do, <laughs> I, for me, here am I. I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to stand firm in my faith. And not only me, but also my wife, my husband, my children, my family. We're going to wait on the Lord and trust in him. Here am I. Let me get a little personal with you this morning. I want to just ask you, are you there? Could you say that? Here am I. I'll put my trust in God in all things. Not just me, but my whole family. I mean, no matter what anyone else will do. I mean, just think of it for a moment. When you think of Ahaz and the people of his day, they had no regard for the sanctity of life. I mean, he even sacrificed his own son on the fire. He practiced all the detestable practices of idolatry and the wickedness of the people around them. You look in our world today, it's no different. In Australia, our leaders, the powers that be today, don't have any respect for the sanctity of life. And they participate in all the detestable practices of idolatry. What if, in our world today, if for some reason or another, whether it's COVID or whether it's an enemy from the north would come down and lay devastation on our country so that all the shops at Woolies and Coles are completely empty. You can't even go off into the wheat fields to glean some grain or to go off to BWS and to buy yourself a glass of wine because the country has been laid devastated. If that were to happen, could you say with Isaiah, I'm just going to wait on the Lord. I'm going to put my trust in him. 
when life shakes you to the core, we don't know what that will be for us and what the future is going to look like because we live in a lot of uncertainty right now. But whatever the future might happen, and when life shakes us right at the core of who we are, are you able to say, I will wait on the Lord, I will put my trust in him, and not just me, but also my family. We're, we're not going anywhere, we're, we're sticking in this. I'm going to stand firm in my faith, no matter what, when all of life might be shaking you to the core, like the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. I'm going to share with you one more verse as I end this morning. And there's a verse that you might want to memorize from chapter 7, or a verse that you might want to put on your refrigerator right beside, you know, the flyer about the upcoming services and for Christmas and all of that. Or maybe something to put on the mirror of your bathroom so that when you wake up in the morning that you're reminded of that truth. Don't do verse 14. You probably know that verse. A virgin will give birth to a son who will call his name Emmanuel. I want to challenge you to put this verse up. Verse 9. I think it's a verse that all of us need to memorize in our hearts. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Put that verse to memory. Because that's truth. Because if you do not stand firm in your faith, when all of this stuff might happen in our world and even into eternity, you will not stand at all. You won't stand a chance. You won't stand firm. May it be true of you and may it be true of me that when things in life shake us to the core, that we might be part of that remnant that stands firm to the end. That you and I will be among those that are found standing, standing firm in the faith. Let us pray. Father, so much in life can shake us to the core, whether it's growing older or facing a disease, an illness, the death of loved ones, just calamity around and calamity within. And in the midst of all of that, Lord, we, we thank you that you've given us the proof that you can be trusted. You've given us Emmanuel. You've given us Jesus. The proof that there is no other name under heaven by which we may be saved. The proof that even though a lot of, a lot of ugliness and, and bad stuff might happen in our lives, that you're going to preserve a remnant. And even, Lord, when the powers that be just lay waste to our world, you're still there. You're among us. You are Emmanuel. You are Jesus. You are with us. Lord, so in that day, help us, Lord, to be those who are found standing. 
standing firm in our faith, we pray. In Jesus' name.